Fran Lebowitz has her day in the sun. This is The Focus Group. It's the savvy side of 9 to 5. Listen. Bueller. 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 Laugh. <laughs> and learn. Negotiation. This is what you do in business. This is The Focus Group with Tim Bennett. S-T-A-U-N-C-H. And John Nash. Keep your clothes looking neat and clean. We're all business. Except when we're not. Hello, everybody. Tim Bennett here, as always, with my good friend and co-host, Mr. John T. Nash. We are the focus group as we move into February and our 13th year. John, can you imagine we've been doing this show for 13 years? If we were in Russia, I could see Russia from my porch. That would be a lucky number, <laughs> wouldn't it? 13 would be the lucky number, right? The lucky number. And, and some things have stayed constant. You heard us, you heard us uh, or heard me tease the uh, Fran Lebowitz. We've got a Fran Lebowitz story that John found out of The New Yorker. And uh, it's about uh, some reviews she had done on Amazon. So we're going to do that in a segment we call Shop Talk, which is at the end of our show. And after that, we've moved our business birthday that we've done forever. John had, had booked our or had uh, given our business birthday the, the um, I guess, is it nomenclature? I don't know. What would you have? You, you've, you've named it the only show in the universe. We're the only show in the universe that does business birthdays, right? You, yeah. You've kind of named us. Mm-hmm. You've given us that not uh, that uh, an imprintor, a moniker, and an imprintor of professionalism and uniqueness, and in fact, one of a kind. So we had a couple of listeners that have, have uh, you know, people don't like change. So we used to do it before our first break. So now we've moved it to the end of the show because now that it's difficult with people time shifting, people don't we don't do our games anymore. So we've now moved the business birthday to the end of the show. So we've got shop talk with the Fran Lebowitz story and our business birthday. And up front, we're doing the Caught My Eye, where John and I share some stories that uh, we have during the week. And was it your niece or somebody back in the day, John, said, could you describe our show? And so for some new listeners out there, we know we brought on uh, some people with the iHub network that's uh, out of Palm Springs. So we have some new listeners uh, joining us. But what did, you, what did somebody say? We're smart with a lot of nonsense in the middle or something? Or well, that was, how, how that, was my, that? Uh, that was my mom's husband. It's a little bit of business talk with a lot of nonsense in between. <laughs> I think we could get rid of the lot of nonsense part and say that it's business talk and career and consumer culture with a little bit of nonsense in between, right? You don't think there's a lot of nonsense? Well, back on Sirius, there was certainly a lot of nonsense, but a lot of, hey, we're replicating the workplace. You tell me, of course, now that we're working from home, I mean, I should have a cat walk across my desk or a kid come in with a blanket or something. Actually, I did change my shelving behind us, but that's for a later thing. Yeah, I moved. I, I, I shifted a few things so that we have um, books behind my head as opposed to this empty space I was noticing before. So, <laughs> Yeah, so if you're watching, so we, we, we have both a video and an audio feed. So if you go to focusgroupradio.com, all of our media is housed there, as well as our podcast, which is TFG Unbuttoned, which is a 20-minute podcast we do on Tuesdays. But we have a video feed, which goes uh, goes out on 1 p.m. East every Wednesday. And then the audio gets released on uh, on Saturdays at our site, focusgroupradio.com. So if you're watching, John, a lot of people will comment on some of the things John has behind him. I, I make my background blurry. I can't John's do that. a production that. guy. John I does all do the tech yeah. and the production work, and he can't do that. So you, you've, uh, you, you've changed up your – are you going to talk about it later? Or? Uh, there's nothing really to say other than I noticed that there was this – gaping ugly hole and i thought well the, i'll move the books and the little pictures that are on the shelf below where the eye line is up one and of course i stared at the books and i thought you know i don't know why i'm keeping some of these paperbacks i read them it's but we need them now for our zoom bookshelves don't we 
Did you see the – a number of people sent us a story. I did not use it for Caught My Eye. Did you see the woman on the BBC? That's Caught My Eye. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, is that your Caught that's My what, Eye? That's why I did the shelf thing, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, then I'll tell you what somebody suggested we do with that later then when you do that as a, okay. as a Caught My Eye. Okay. Well, that's funny. Okay. Well, so we would have almost had the same thing. So uh, a couple of uh, business keeping things for uh, people who are getting ready to file taxes or if you're a LLC or a sub S, you know, the IRS is not even beginning to receive returns. Did I read this until February 12th? Normally, what? normally you used to be able to file almost immediately and um, they're only starting to, to take returns on the 12th. You still have to pay your taxes on the 15th or if you go on extension, pay your taxes on the 15th file on the, in the September zone. Um, and then I heard from someone, I don't know if you've heard from your um, IRS friends at all, that um, the IRS is like a year behind. I don't know what that meant, um, a year behind what, I wasn't sure, but it sounds like there's a lot of paperwork that's just not getting done because people aren't in the office or who knows, right? Maybe they're working on Trump's audit. Apparently that's the longest <laughs> audit in the world. <laughs> well, it's a thousand pages, it's 10, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, So that was a, a little um, business bookkeeping thing. And um, how many weeks, we're going to talk about this later in Shop Talk, but um, we're only two, uh, one or two weeks out from Super Bowl? Uh, no, one week. One it's, week. It's, it's this, this coming weekend, weekend. Right? Okay. February 7th. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is February 3rd, so it's this weekend. And it seems to be very quiet. I know we're going to talk, we have a Super Bowl story about advertising. I was shocked when I read the story about how much the spots are going for. I, I was unaware that they've, even with what's going on in the world, that the, they continue to, to garner a lot of money. I was I really know. surprised by that. and um, But I think that, well, we'll talk about that when we get there. So anything else happened over the weekend of note? It was kind of a quiet one as everybody braced for the, uh, the winter storm that was moving all the way across from, oh, yeah, yeah. So, Tim, you probably saw the piece. The storm that we're experiencing on the East Coast, or what they had on Monday and Tuesday, that started out west, mainly as rain and snow. And as a result of it, because of the wildfires in California and all the rain, and a big chunk of the Pacific Coast Highway was um, washed out. Did you did you see that story at all? Yeah, I saw that. And uh, you see any I, pictures I, of I, it? Yeah, when I, and when I looked at it, I thought, how do you fix that? Uh, <laughs> you you read my mind. So I'm watching, I'm looking the, at the picture, and you know, the road, literally, it, it, the mudslide that took out the road just did it in such a fashion that you stare at it for a while, and you're like, okay, now, how are they going to go in there and repair this? Because you're going to have to bring dirt in. You're going to have to shore it up somehow. With, I don't even know where you would anchor the concrete and stuff, right? Well, I figured they'd probably have to do some rebar and reinforce it uh, and drill something into the side of the earth, but it was... It, I'll, I probably didn't read it close enough, but it was Big Sur, right? It was yeah. around there, and I'm, I'm guessing that was part of the coastal highway. I don't think it. I'm sure there's probably another way. You probably can go inland to get around that. I'm yeah. sure with the, with the They're highways, diverting but, traffic around it. Yeah, yeah, but it. Um, you know, talk about. Uh, well, you this know, is infrastructure. the this is the second or third time in a couple of years that part of the the PCH has been. Uh, wiped out to sea by um, mudslides or excessive rain. You've driven on the road. It's a gorgeous road. You've probably shot yeah. commercials on the road when you were down um, down at Subaru. Um, it's prone to this, though, because, you know, if you've driven the road, you're like, wow, we're hanging on the edge of a cliff. <laughs> and it's not, a, I guess, when you look at that mudslide, it didn't look like stable earth to me. I guess that's what you were getting at with how do you repair this, right? Yeah, and I, I, and I often wondered a lot of times how those roads ever were secure anyway, but I always just figured they were on rock beds. Or you know beds of rock, but mm. I don't know. I, I I've always and, and the West Coast thing. I always 
when I lived in Oregon, they used to have, uh, I'd go to Cannon Beach and they had these tsunami sirens for tsunami warnings. And I used to think, well, how tough could that be to outrun the ocean? You just run right up the hill. But <laughs> I, Okay, I'd like to see you do that. Like when the tsunami warning goes off, you're hoofing it up the hill. I'm like, what's that? And I'm like, well, you know, in cases, I'm like, well, there's plenty of time to run right up the hill. It's not that deep. I don't think I don't think the ocean's going to come in that quick. They're like, mm. <laughs> yeah, stick around, you'll see, right? But I often wonder why you'd want to live at a place like that. Well, it's sort of like the um, that, and you're right. The uh, coast of Washington State. Um, that a couple years ago, I, they had a story about how whole houses just fell off the edges of the of their of the cliff because they they were built so close to the edge. And I guess when you build something 20, 30 years ago, engineers say, "Oh yeah, it looks sound. It's we're good," but it changes. Well, it is beautiful. It, it is. is beautiful yeah. out there. I often wonder why I never lived in California, particularly Northern California. Mm-hmm. Every time I've gone, you and I had gone to the, I guess my last trip out there, though, was a while ago. We saw your sister and brother-in-law, and then we went to out the, in the vineyard. Week. Yeah, out in the vineyard. Out in the vineyard. And we were we were invited out there with uh, with Gary and Mark. And what a fun trip that was. Great but, trip. Uh, also I, the Jelly I, Belly factory tour we did. We, that was a Right, and the fun. weather was great. And I'm always like, why, why don't we ever live here even for a couple of years? You know, you just you said something smart, even for a couple of years. Um, on the flip side, if I had to live somewhere now, I may actually choose something like Palm Springs. And uh, as Tim mentioned to you earlier, we're now on the iHub network out in one of our favorite uh, destinations, Palm Springs. Um, but I agree with you on coastal California and coastal Washington State. I mean, it's gorgeous. So there's the desert. It's a great, it could have been an interesting area to live, but we, you and I are East Coast guys. You know that. You like the seasons. I do. But, you know, I lived in Portland, Oregon for a couple of years and I loved it. I didn't want to leave, but um, I did. I, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go live there now, probably at my age. But uh, when I was younger, I loved it. I didn't want to leave. I, I, I would have been content to stay there. Um, so but it, it's a great part of the world. So anyway, Mr. Nash, what uh, what caught your eye this week? What caught your eye? Here's what Tim and John found. Well, as some of the listeners who sent you uh the information about the BBC, apparently in Wales, um, a woman made a lot of people happy by what she had on her bookshelf during a thing. So it says the not the headline is not so hidden X-rated bookshelf item turns BBC guest into national hero. Sharp-eyed BBC viewers got an unexpected eyeful this week when they spotted something unusual on a bookshelf in the background of an interview. And of course, the article does it this way. It was a penis. (laughs) Yvette Amos spoke with BBC Wales about job struggles during the pandemic, and the object stood on a bookshelf just over her right shoulder. Not clear if it was intentionally put there or left there, but Amos seems to have a mischievous streak. Another shelf features the X-rated drawing game Scrawl on the top shelf, and the door just beyond had bloody handprints on it, which I think were like stickers or something. Whatever the intention, fans popped up on social media, so Twitter went crazy. And people said things like, perhaps the greatest guest background on BBC Wales News tonight. Always check your shelves before going on air. Yvette Amos, national hero. Or I've removed Yvette Amos, and this will now be my Zoom background for all future meetings. <laughs> Yvette Amos is the woman we all need today. And just to to bring Bernie front and center, I don't know if you saw this one. Someone put him no. in. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I guess it's, uh, and that's what made me actually look at my shelves behind me and think I should clean up some of that. And cause I had a, a shelf that just had some, you know, stuff laying on. I thought I'll make it look nice and neat, but can you, can you believe, like, do you think she forgot it was there or do you think she knew it was there and, you know, put it up there? Well, you know, so Brian had sent me this too. And I laughed when I saw it. And I said, you know, Brian, that would be something you would have done to me. And I wouldn't have noticed. Like somebody would have put that in the back of my shelf and I would have just gone on the air <laughs> and then been mortified, right? Because would yeah. you have done that? Like would Bob have gone in and done something like that? Possibly, possibly, yeah. Which I would think would be funny, right? So I thought, I wonder if somebody did that did that to her. But when you talk about the bloody handprints and everything else, then you wonder, you know, was it something else? I wonder what, what, her, what topic was she talking about? Uh, job searching and the struggles of being unemployed. Oh, okay. So, uh, and then people went really crazy. They blew up the picture, it was pixelated. They were trying to figure out every every title of the book on every shelf. I just, I'll just go back to this one though. I just think this is photo. <laughs> putting Bernie in there with like with the mins. <laughs> so that's so what, Brian actually came up with an idea for the focus group for Christmas as a gift. Instead of the elf on the shelf, we could do the dick on a shelf, <laughs> and and we can do a focus group thing and put a little wreath around it, and we can give him out of Christmas. <laughs> for zoom meetings please thank brian interested. for me he is always one step ahead and that would and i'm sure that admark 360 could source this gift for us they can source them out of china we could decide what we like we could, we could have a mold of our units or we could get other ones or something out of china I'm sure. very good very good thank you You're brian interested. yeah yeah mine is also um unit related um the headline is women reportedly perform sex act on gas station attendant until cops arrive so this was a this was a robbery in Slovakia. Now, now the headline is a little different. Woman occupies thief until well, I police wrote that headline arrived. myself. So you were being very delicate and, and polite. I was being okay. delicate. Okay. But the, the actual writers, the actual headline was: Woman reportedly performs <laughs> reportedly performs sex act on gas station. Oh my god! Robber until cops arrive. And then I looked at. It, I saw it was Slovakia, and I thought, well, maybe Milani had something to do. We haven't heard from her since she's left. She's Slovakian, but it wasn't her. Um, so they said the attempted robbery and subsequent sex act occurred at a gas station in Bratislava, Slovakia. The woman performed oral sex on a gas station robber in Slovakia, distracting him and delaying him until the police arrived, according to the report. Imagine writing this story. <laughs> Imagine looking at the mugshot. I'm still... So the, 20, the 24-year-old thief allegedly forced the male employee to hand over the money at the cash register. Then he punched the attendant. The attendant went to the back. The, the employee went to the back room. The robber went to the back room when this mystery woman appears. And she comes in the back door. They don't know whether she's an employee or not. She just kind of stumbles into the gas station. So she decides. Um, they said it's unclear if, if she decided to perform, perform the sex act out of fear of being assaulted herself. But the police source told the local agency that the woman appeared to be willing to help stall the burglar until the police arrived. <laughs> so the okay. sta another staff member up front had called the police, and they said the police had arrived, and they discovered the woman and the robber laying naked on the floor in the back room. And she was servicing him. And uh, so when the police officer came busting in, and the broken in the, in the translation, the woman said something essentially to the police, take him, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> and... So the police officers arrested him, and they said he, he resisted arrest. Now, so he breaks into this gas station to get money, apparently, but oh, I'll stop and get a Hummer. And, but um, so considering there could have been one getting filled up at the, the pump outside. But um, So she was totally random, um, coming in a back door, 
and she had yeah. nothing to do with the clerk or anybody, uh, from what they can tell, had nothing to do with anybody at the station, right? No, they had nothing to do, and they think that she had just done it because maybe she was afraid she was going to get assaulted because she saw that they'd beat up the other the other guy where they got the money from. <clears throat> mm. So she decided she would take you know matters into her own hands, so to speak, and uh, she took care of him until the police came, which I thought was well, quite funny, which reminded me of a story. I don't know if I ever told you the time when my friend Chris Crenshaw and I were coming out of the gym, and a guy had broken into a car and uh, then had robbed a store. This was in downtown Philadelphia, and security guard was chasing the guy. So Chris and I, we're, this was the 80s. We're, we're in our 20s, and we think we're something, right? So we now join in the chase. <laughs> to help. Yeah, to help. To help the security guard. So we catch this guy. We tackle him in some alleyway. We get him down the ground. Security guard comes, handcuffs the guy. And this guy starts saying, if you let me go, I'll give you a blowjob. <laughs> so, there's, there's a layer or two that, that's intriguing about that. He figured out you guys were gay? No, I don't know. He just wanted to let, be okay. let go. So the security guard's on top of him. Chris and I tackled the guy because we were young and we were able to get the guy. Security guard was middle-aged, heavy, heavier. He's yelling for us to help catch the guy. We catch the guy. Stupid when I think about it now. Could have had a gun, could have had mm -hmm. a knife, whatever. Yeah. We catch the guy. This is before cell phones. Other stores, it's, you know, 6 o'clock on, on a Chestnut Street in Philadelphia. They're calling the police. Typical Philadelphia police take their time to get there. We've got the guy handcuffed, and the guy keeps saying to the security guard, brother, let me go. I'll give you I'll give you a head if you let me go. So every time he would say that, the security guard would knee him a little more in the back. So the police finally get there, and the police keep saying, what happened, what happened? And all the security guard would say, he kept wanting to get me a blowjob. He kept wanting to give me a blowjob. And the cop finally looks at him and says, listen. It took us a while to get here. You had time. You should have done it. He said, that's not the crime. He said, I need to figure out what was going on here. And then he looks at Chris and I, and he's like, you two can go. <laughs> We're like, thank God Chris is like, we don't need to spend any time at the roundhouse. We don't need to go down there and get involved in all that. I'm surprised Chris and didn't so want to at least experience two seconds of the roundhouse, right? Oh, my God. We were dying. So, yeah. And the cop was like, listen. And the cop says, you know, some are better than others. He said, but you had time. He goes, that's not the crime. I need to know what happened here. He says, the fact that he wanted to give you a blowjob, that's not what we're here for. That's an incidental. <laughs> that's an incidental, right? Typical, oh, my God. Typical Philadelphia, Philadelphia cops. So hey, oh. you had found a um, you had found a quick story that um, I had actually read in automotive news about uh, these um, chips that are um, that are uh, shortage of chips for the automobile manufacturers, which is going to have them lose billions of dollars. Sixty, right? yeah. So the headline read: A global computer chip shortage could mean sixty-one billion in lost sales for automakers like Toyota and Nissan. I would like to include in that Volkswagen, Ford, and Fiat Chrysler. Um, who all apparently source chips for the uh, control systems in modern vehicles through a couple of companies, but due to the event, there's been dis there's been manufacturing disruptions and um, I guess shipping disruptions. Correct? Yeah, and Subaru had to close. They weren't mentioned in this story, but uh, they had to close as well for two days because of the chip shortage. And uh, I was shocked when they talked about the fact that there was such a shortage. And uh, I was unaware, and I think you probably were too, about how much those chips account for the price of a new car. Uh, that Did was a surprise to me as well. I, I was really surprised by that. I know there are a lot of chips in the cars. I just didn't know that they contributed so significantly to the bottom line. Right, so they say the chips are used in navigation, Bluetooth, collision detection systems, just to name a few things. And they account for about 40% of a new car's cost. Think about that. It's almost half the cost of your car is wrapped up in these chips. 
I know back in the day, you know, this was probably 10 or 15 years ago, there were well over 20 different, we called them computers, but there were 20 different systems. Are you saying that that was a decade ago you had that many systems that were still yeah. reliant? Okay. At one time there were 23 of them. Um, you know, there were sensors for everything, for the braking systems, for all-wheel drive. For, and that was, you know, cars are far more sophisticated now with some of these, um, you know, even the adaptive cruise control, which didn't exist then, right? So, yeah, I can't imagine um, what this is doing. So I guess there's, so now manufacturers are deciding to do a hierarchy to say, okay, what are the most popular models? What are the models where we can make our most, obviously, most profitable models? And um, decide how you're going to um, control production because it's not only just the automobiles, right? They also said uh, Apple's having oh, issues with getting anybody who's using semiconductors has an issue with this. And and you just said something that was intriguing to me. I I, I suppose they could make the decision about prioritizing manufacturing based on the platforms, but they must uniformly use similar chips across all cars and trucks, right? I mean, for them yeah. to be able to say, let's prioritize the f-150 over you know the an, a, a compact car or something because we have more truck sales that means they know the chips are interchangeable right you make more money on selling a a, f a large suv yeah. than you would a sedan yeah. for instance so you're gonna you're, you'll make the the truck rather than the sedan and use the chips for the trucks but i was surprised by that but that, what a what a huge hit to, to the economy 61 billion, billion dollars in lost production. sales simply because they can't make them in, in a consistent way, and they don't ship consistently due to the event. <laughs> if you have to say event, by the way, because we get pulled down if we use the other word. Which, which is, is the word, which is odd because it's on the news every night. But um, yeah, YouTube has a, uh, a strange sensor filter going on. So it's the event, the event. And, and, and listeners have figured this out. They're like, oh, when you say the event, you mean dot, dot, dot. We're like, yes, we do. Yeah, you know, I was so, talking to somebody about cars this weekend. I think my next car I'm going to get is electric. Well, also, if you event, you follow the news, General Motors claims that by 2030 or 35, which is really not that far down the line, everything they make is going to be electric, which is interesting. That's a whole. I think we should devote a whole show to the electric car. And you and I have test-driven the VW E-Golf, which we loved, right? Yeah. Um, and it had great torque and great power. Um, I, of course, was paranoid about the charge. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole anything. Plug it in. Anyway, we're going to um, take a quick break. And on the other side of this quick break, we, are, we have a couple of shop talks and a business birthday for you. And in fact, one of the shop talks is about Fran Leibowitz. She seems to be having her day in the sun right now. And boy, is she funny. So uh, stick with us. And when we return, we have shop talk and business birthday. You're listening to The Focus Group with Tim and John. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. The Focus Group, an entertaining look at the outside of business. For your convenience, listen anytime, anywhere, anyway, anyhow, and on anything. Got it? Head over to focusgroupradio.com and pick your poison. We're all business, except when we're not. Hey, welcome back to The Focus Group. Tim Bennett here, as always, with my good friend and co-host, Mr. John T. Nash. Be sure to find us at focusgroupradio.com. And, of course, wherever you listen to your um, 
podcasts or your shows are your internet of choice. We're pretty much everywhere, aren't we, John? We're everywhere. We are. That's what we actually, we have some imaging that our voice of the voice for the focus group, Drew Birdsey out of Las Vegas. I wonder how Drew is doing. We should check in with him. Yeah, we were going to update some of the imaging. Maybe mm-hmm. we should. Uh, He's such a cool guy. And he is, by the way, listeners, um, you know, finding a good voice is actually more difficult than you suspect. And he, and we could send him anything. And he just, Tim, Tim sends him very, like, interesting direction. Like, I want this, I want that. And it comes back perfect. So, yeah, he's great. And there's a lot of stuff we have. <clears throat> there's a lot of stuff we haven't used, which, um, but yeah, we'll see. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll see what happens. So the um, we had teased this uh, this piece about uh, Fran Lebowitz, and she, John and I had talked about the Netflix series. Have you finished watching any of the Netflix we, we, series? We're, with... we're taking our time. Pretend it's a city. It's the one that um, that she's everybody's talking about right now. And uh, so, how far have you how far have you been in, into it? Oh, we're like four shows in. I think we only have two or three more because they're not that long. They're like 20, 25 minutes. They're they're they're. It's not like a huge commitment, but it's really hilarious. And I want to I want to let it last for a while. I'm I'm playing like it's something that's broadcast once a week. So there you go. You know, I, I loved her, um, and I used to always watch her on David Letterman or some of the other late-night shows, and I, I've said to you before, I wonder I wonder if she sells outside of the Northeast or outside of New York, because she's such a fixture. She's such a sort of iconic New York person, which was very much what they said about the Seinfeld um, sitcom, right? Although the Seinfeld sitcom became very popular. Um, different than Friends, there was some sort of insider stuff, I think, with Seinfeld, different than maybe Friends. But Fran Leibowitz is definitely a, a kind of cantankerous New Yorker, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and she, and she whole... plays that part to the hill. And I think that everybody knows that. And I think they know New Yorkers. So I she, I think she plays generally nationwide, you know. But she's known not to like tech or to embrace tech. And she doesn't have a phone. <laughs> no. Right? And she has a landline. Yeah. But she doesn't have a computer. And there were a few other things. So I was surprised by this. Is she leaving these? So this came out of what was it? New York magazine? The, the New Yorker. Or the New Yorker. And so it's the headline was Fran Leibowitz, one star Amazon reviews. Were these really reviews that she had left? or were they, was they this suppo- a, a, It's supposedly true. Yeah. Uh, and if it's not, then it's definitely someone who wrote in her voice. But I, when you read these, I, I think it's very Fran Leibowitz. So that's what I thought was so funny because I thought, you know, so here she is and she's, she's either making a comment of somebody sent her something and then she's going to make the like, why'd you send me this? And here's my review. Or because I thought, well, if she doesn't have a computer or anything, because in this whole thing with the with her her show in the Netflix series, she, she goes through all these issues of I don't need to do that. I'm not going to do that. And here's how I figure it all out. So um, some of these are kind of funny. Did you have a favorite one of some of these reviews that were were listed here? Um, I had a couple, uh, I'm scrolling down here. One was the uh, metal detector and the other might've been the paper shredder. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. And actually the Harry Potter book. Do you, so how do you want to do this? I could either give you some of my, like, let me give you the Harry Potter one. Where did that go? Okay. So this that is was actually, that was actually my favorite one too. So all right. So I'll let you one? have that one. I'll do the paper shredder. How's that? So she gives a review for a paper shredder, and it goes like this. Do you work for the CIA? No? Then let me save you some time. Keep your documents in one piece. Trust me, no one is rooting through your garbage. No one cares. Once you learn that, everything in life will make sense. No one cares about you or about anything. (laughs) That's not even a review. What that is is like a kind of a life thing. But anyway... (laughs) 
Like, why would you get a paper shredder? <laughs> so I wonder about that because so many people are so concerned about, you know, someone's going to go through my garbage and steal my numbers, steal my account numbers. So I'll She's tell saying, you a quick paper shredder aside. You know, my, my brother-in-law, Steve, um, has done a great job with his family photos. They, he took all the prints, bought a really good scanner, uh, one that he recommended to me. I'll give you the recommendation too. Not expensive, but it's super fast. He scanned all the prints. And then I said to him, what did you do with the prints? And the other day we were talking on the phone and he said, I shredded them. I had never in my life thought of doing this. I would have just throw a picture away, right? Throw in the, but he didn't want the girls, my niece's pictures, to end up in a, unscrupulous hands. And I thought, well, if you ever had a shredder, that might not be a bad use for it, right? I guess I didn't think of that either. Or maybe would my grandmother burn them. She used to burn pictures in a barrel. <laughs> She's Canadian. It sounds like a voodoo thing. I'm sorry, but... Yeah, the Canadians would burn them. <laughs> throw in the fireplace. So what was... Read, read one of your... Uh, so this Harry Potter one, and I totally agree with this one. I don't, Dave, have you read any of the Harry Potter books? No, and I agree with exactly what she said. I agree with what she says as well. So she says, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone by J.K. Rowling. So she says, I've never read Harry Potter. I never will read Harry Potter. Do you know why this is? Because I'm not 12, okay? I've had people, adults, mind you, tell me that I need to read this. You need to read it. You need to read it. No, eat, sleep, breathe. These are things I need to do. Then there are the things I want to do, which are not many. So there are things I need to do and things I want to do. And I can tell you, Harry Potter is not on either list. <laughs> so, and I agree with her. Everybody's always like, oh, you should read it. I know it's adult. It's, it's young adult. YA. It's YA. They're really great books. Now, I suppose if you had kids and they were reading it and you wanted to talk with them about it, I don't know. Your mom probably would advocate, right, if she was. Would your mom advocate reading it if you. Mm-mm. No. If you're, as my mom has often said, if you have no interest, you're not going to be reading it. I think that's for most people. And I never really got into the Harry Potter thing. I know people love it, um, adults and kids. And I can see why, because great characters, it's fantasy, it's all that stuff. And of course, there's now a universal um, part of Universal Studios tour that ha or down in Florida that has the uh, Harry world of Harry Potter and the wizarding or something like that. But it was it just wasn't me. <laughs> so what was another one of your favorites I'll, I'll do, this is the metal detector the ace 300 if you see an adult using a metal detector you know something has gone terribly wrong <laughs> he's lost something and i say he you never see a woman with a metal detector it's always a man so he's lost one of two things his wedding ring or more likely his mind and he's listening for beeps he shut out the rest of the world his friends his family he's only focusing on the beeps this is what happens when you have a country that's obsessed with material wealth. This is the last domino of American capitalism. A man with a metal detector looking for buried treasure. <laughs> she just takes it from something as stupid as an not by a metal detector to a meta idea of capitalism and what's wrong with the country. My 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 other favorite one was was about crayons. And we we've always talked Same, about it. we love big the, great pick. We, Right, we love the Crayola 64 count. As a kid, that was gold. I used to love getting that that box of crayons. And so she writes here, this is for the crayon, uh, the crayons Crayola 64 count box. You never see something written in crayon and think, now this I've got to read. The crayon is the tool of children and idiots. If the Declaration of Independence were written in crayon, we wouldn't be a country today. Nobody would take it seriously. They'd go, what is this, a placemat? <laughs> so... <laughs> That's one of my favorites because the line I, I love the crayon is the tool of children, children and idiots. idiots. 
Here's one that she did for, it's called Portable Cement Mixer by Ryobi, R-Y-O-B-I. Thank goodness it's portable for when I need to mix cement on the go. You see, this is the problem with society. We've become so fixated on the idea of multitasking, getting multiple things done at once, that we can't even mix cement without texting and eating a sandwich. Is your If your job is mixing cement, just focus on the cement, okay? Lunch can wait. <laughs> portable concrete, portable cement mixer. Yeah, that one was, and then then the other one, I, which I totally agree on this one too, which and it's simplicity, was um was the dry shampoo Pantene, you know, dry shampoo. I think that was like a one line, right? No. <laughs> yeah, that's what she well, said. She says no, no, dry shampoo. No, no there's nothing. Which I agree. I never understood the dry shampoo thing. You just spray it in your hair, right? Yeah. Um, just. It's like a. It's like a dry. It's a foam, and then it like supposedly powder. cleans your hair. I. I, what, yeah, I've known women who've used it if they were on a camping trip years ago or something. And I'm like, what are you using? Oh, it's dry shampoo. I'm like, I've never heard of such a thing. What does she have here? For She has a selfie ring light with tripod. Here we are in the world of, you know, Zoom and everything. People have this need to be constantly filming themselves. I don't understand why. They think that something interesting might happen. They don't want to miss it. Let me clue you in. Nothing interesting ever happens. Maybe 10 truly interesting things happen per year. None of them in your apartment. (laughs) (laughs) Selfie ring light with tripod. Any others you like on here? Yeah, the one, and I I was wondering about this because I don't think you adhere to this one, but this is a very New Yorker or probably somebody in a big city was the hammer, the 16-ounce craftsman hammer. And so she says, what are we hammering? Why do we as humans feel this need to put holes in things? See, this is why I love New York. Everybody rents. I've lived in my apartment for 35 years. I've never made a single hole. There's nothing hanging on my walls. Even if I die here, I'm getting that security deposit back. <laughs> it's do so you, true. Do you put holes in your walls? Yeah, sure when we do. Rent yeah, yeah, even when we rented, we did. And then what do you have to do? Do you have to spackle them? No, up? no, no. You That's considered wear and tear. That's just living in the apartment. She's just being curmudgeonly which is hysterical but you know this hammer thing reminded me um as we've been saying to folks that we're also available on the ihub network out in palm springs you and i have a very sort of funny story about um a hammer which involves the thumbtack and well let's put it this way we were staying at one of the classic guest houses in palm springs years ago was it the century palms it was uh, century, century palms century palms no the no building's long, there, but it's called something, something else. Now, but sure. we lucked out and had a group of guys from Boston that were traveling, and they were super friendly and funny. And we just sat and laughed our asses off the entire time because they were so funny. And one guy used to work at a CVS, he was a cashier, and he was told that you were never supposed to say certain things over the store intercom, particularly like women's hygiene products. And women's hygiene products, men's like condoms, condoms things like that. That had right. to be a that you had to physically walk up to someone for assistance. You couldn't put it through the thing. So he was at the register one day, and he, <laughs> do you remember this one? And he had yeah. to do a price check for um, tampons, but they didn't follow Tam- tampons. Tampons. That's right. He didn't follow the rules, and I think he did a price check for tampons. And someone picks up the thing. <laughs> And they said, do you mean the kind you put in with uh, your thumb or a hammer? Because he thought he said thumbtacks. <laughs> but we still laughed our asses off because we thought that's the kind you put in with a thumb or a hammer. 
and then they <laughs> because wrote, he wasn't because he wasn't supposed to say tampax. That's what was so exactly great about it. yeah. Which reminds me of that other funny story which your friend talked about with he was at one of the baths one time, and he had they they kept there was this announcement and he kept thinking. Everybody famously knows that um, Bette Midler and um, Barry Manilow used, used to, to play perform, in New yeah. York in the 70s, right? So he kept hearing what he thought was Marsha Wallace, Marsha Wallace. Marsha Wallace, Marsha Wallace. So he said, oh my gosh, Marsha Wallace, Wallace must be doing a set. Let's go find her. Let's go find her. So he goes to the front desk and says, where's Marsha Wallace playing? And the guy says to him, watch your wallets, you idiots. <laughs> watch your wallets, watch your wallets. Marsha Wallace, Marsha Wallace. Oh Careful you know, with you, the intercom. You can't, you yeah. sort of can't make those stories up because they're just so classic and they just happen by, they're, they're <laughs> random. I think they're lots of fun. So, yeah. The other story I thought you might pick was the Rubik's Cube one. Why don't you read that one? The Rubik's Cube, because you're a Rubik's Cube fan. Did you used uh, to did be you in like college, that? but she summed it up perfectly. And I did love this one. She says, Rubik's Cube by Hasbro. You finish it. Now what? Congratulations. You have a slightly more attractive cube. <laughs> John it. used to when we were in high school. John could John could do the Rubik's cube in, in a minute. You could you had it figured out. I did. Can you have, still do it? No, I can't. And it's funny you bring that up because uh, you and I have been using Rubik's cube for some of our um, client work, like ph- photograph of it. And I'm afraid to scramble the cube that I have, even though I know how to break it apart and put it back together. If I can't do the side thing, but there was a sequence of turns and understanding what was the center color on certain things, and we did it once at. Um, it was Marianne's parents' anniversary party, right? It yeah, was their... you were like you were, you were you were the big hit at the party, and everybody they'd mix it, and you would do it in like under a minute. I was the hit for the nerdy Rubik's cube, and then Tim was the hit for teaching all the adults how to do the dance to YMCA. YMCA, and we were the only two outside of Marianne and Michael who were there. I think we were the only two people of our age. Everybody else was adults, and they were talking to us like adults too. They would come over and say, "Hey, you know that teacher? You know that kid?" You and I left that party. We're like, wow, what a hilarious town we live in. <laughs> you know, you can go to YouTube and they'll show you how to do the cube. Yes. Under, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you want to figure it out, you can go. But I used to always be amazed with you that you could figure it out. I don't know if you figured it out. Did you figure it out on your own? Yeah, that's because that was long before they had the guidebooks or the videos. You you had to figure it out on your own. Yeah. You're a smart kid. Yeah. I Not me. I didn't figure that out. I was get aggravated with it. I still can't. So what's our next story here is uh, Tim teased this at the beginning of the show, um, and we've been talking about it as well. Or, I should take that back. We used to talk about this a lot more than we do now, but um, Super Bowl do a whole show about it, right? A whole show on what people spent, the creative directors, what brands were going to be doing ads. Um, so CBS, surprisingly, has sold virtually all of its commercial time slots in this coming upcoming Super Bowl on Feb 7th, February 7th. And I was sort of surprised by that because there are some people that we've reported on in the past few weeks who are not returning to the Super Bowl. I think Budweiser was one of them. Coke is another one. Um, there are some people you'll recognize that will be in the, the game again. But um, I guess you and I are going to watch because we're captive audience with the event. But did this? And then you said to me that the numbers that they were charging um, just was beyond like a 30 second spot was what five over 5 right, million, 30, right? A 30 second spot is 5.5 million. And people rarely do a 30 second. Most people would do a minute because by time, mm-hmm. you know, the commercial comes, particularly when people at host parties. Now this year, maybe it'll be different because people aren't going to be having, usually people would have big Super Bowl parties and people will be over watching the game. Now with, with the event, people aren't doing that probably. 
So you don't have to quiet the crowd down to see the commercial because by the time you quiet the crowd down, 30 seconds, commercial's over. So they, you'd buy a minute. So a minute would be about $11 million if I'm doing my math here, which is a lot of money. Yeah. When you, when you think about a, a corporation spending that kind of dollars. And a lot of times, whether it was Budweiser or Coca-Cola, as you mentioned, you know, you'd buy three or four ads. Mm-hmm. So think about that amount of money you're spending. And um, I did laugh because one of our sponsors here on the show, Fiverr, I looked and I thought, well, they're on the Super Bowl. Huh, maybe they need to be doing a little more than once a month. <laughs> With us, you mean, yeah. Hey, uh, Fiverr did, su- did not surprise me so much because I think the service um, and the connection to talent, and we all do need to do that for projects, that made a lot. They, that was a, a sensible buy. I, and I want to caveat that by saying it's a sensible venue to have a spot in. If you were the director of marketing, would you commit $11 million to it? Uh, do you think they're doing 30 seconds or they're doing a full minute? My get, well, I don't know. I don't know. My, my guess is maybe they're doing 30, um, but I, I don't know because most people, I think most people do do a minute, but I, you know, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. There are a number of new, new brands, and a lot of it is around uh, the strength of a lot of the stay-at-home uh, mm-hmm. And particularly with Fiverr, um, it really does, um, you know, play into that as does, um, you know, things like Zoom or Skype or some of these other other programs. Right. I don't know if they're going to be there or not. I know a lot of the auto companies are, are, are passing this year. I know Kia and um, which has been in the Super Bowl for the last probably five years or more. They're not going to be in the in the Super Bowl. And I don't know. I don't really know what car brands are. Because usually they would release stuff and we would watch them and we'd talk about them and there was all the big hype of, of releasing the ads early and, and there, all the there ad you bring up, Yeah, and, there you bring up something that seems to be a victim of the event, right? Is I haven't, I, you and I read a lot and we're usually reading our trades, a lot of, you know, ad week, advertising age. I haven't read a lot about the early release ads. I haven't seen anything pop up on YouTube and on social media, I'm not seeing people saying, hey, you got to check out the new Doritos ad or... It just see. I bet it's going to be a very different tone emotionally for this year's Super Bowl ads. Uh, it's going to be good to watch. Period. But I think there's going to be a little different tone, right? Well, they said advertisers are going to be do, being more somber um, or hopeful, and oh, okay, I'll um, take that. Yeah, hopeful and maybe um, what's the word I'm looking for? Optimistic, um, forward thinking. Yeah, sunshine. You know, yeah, that, that you know, things will get better, and, mm-hmm. and or. Or maybe that they're um, it's just going buying, to be doing, I'll give servicing every, the community, things they've done for the community, things they've done for helping people. Kind of like when the whole event started, when everybody was mm-hmm. you know, switching over to make hand sanitizer or they're doing masks or whatever. Now this is all about how we, what we've done. So what these brands have done, we've served X amount of meals or we've done all these other other things for for uh, first responders and so forth. We'll, we'll give some free workers. advice to people for doing a Super Bowl ad. Tim and I recommend using the song, the sun will, from Annie, the sun will come out tomorrow. <laughs> Can you imagine if every Super Bowl ad was basically based on the sun will come out tomorrow? That would have been very funny, actually, if all the advertisers got together and said, let's use that Annie <laughs> song about the sun's coming out tomorrow. Oh, I got an idea. We'll do it this way. <laughs> no, it was... Well, you know, that would be interesting if you said you had to pick a song. Mm-hmm. That, that might be a contest that we do on the maybe on our Facebook page, which is Focus Group Radio. If you had to pick a Super Bowl song for, for, for an for, ad yeah. for this this year, I wonder that's that's a good challenge. I wonder what you would pick. I have to think about that. 
Well, if you said the theme is going to be sunshine and rainbows and it's walking on sunshine or the sun will come right. on, you know, like the, you, it would take a concerted effort of all the brands talking to each other to pull that one off. But if they did, the American public would laugh their butts off for days if, if they realized the theme through every single ad was something to do with the sun will come out tomorrow. That stupid idea. Anyway, that's why. I'm- not a stupid idea. I remember one time I was at a wedding, friends of mine was at a wedding and the couple was not getting their sense divorced. They weren't getting along well. And I remember we were they, the, the couple at the wedding. They're not getting along. Right. Well, yeah. They weren't. The couple was the, the, another couple was there that wasn't getting along well. That were just they were only married about a year. And um, the couple does their first dance and it's their, their song. And I'm trying to break the ice and trying to get the couple to talk. And I said, oh, I said, I said, oh, that's nice. They picked that song. I said, what was your uh, what was your song that you did for your first dance? And the, the guy looks at me and goes, highway to hell. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm bum. Hey, I'm looking at the clock. We got to get business birthday out of the way. Oh, business birthday. Okay. Everyone does celebrity birthday greetings, but the Focus Group is the only show in the universe that celebrates business birthdays. Born today, February third, nineteen sixty-eight. Andrew Conru, happy fifty-third. He's an American internet businessman who founded e-commerce, advertising, and online dating and personal sites. Uh, a number of them previous were W3 Ad Acknowledge Web Personals, but you'd know him best for Friend Finder and Adult Friend Finder. He's currently CEO of the Friend Finder Networks. He, uh, 1991, he was a graduate of Stanford. He received a doctorate in me- uh, mechanical engineering and developed a bunch of different sort of web websites um, that were related to in some... Um, Companionship. Like <laughs> What's that? Companionship. They were like ad, yeah. ad optimization. So in other words, you would serve up different banner ads based upon which your, what kind of sites you went to and so forth. He was on the kind of the early uh, early side of that with, with software. And then he had founded um, a, a, a site called webpersonals.com, which was considered one of the first internet dating sites in 1995. And then in 1996, he launched FriendFinder which was an early social networking site which would help people connect. And it was really just to find friends. It was really just a friend site, supposedly. But after a couple of days, he would go on the site and he would find out that people were posting nude photos of themselves. <laughs> this is news to me. Okay. <laughs> and they were using it to seek out partners and, and adult activities. So he then decided, well, I'm going to start Adult Friend Finder. And so then he followed up with all these other niche sites. So he did Senior Friend Finder, Amigos Friend Finder, Big Church Friend Finder for these for the Christians, um, Alt Friend Finder. So by 2007, he had 260 million registered members and more than 500,000 affiliates. He had 450 employees. Another thing we missed, John. Totally, totally missed, yeah. Sold the company to Penthouse Media Group for $500 million. $500 million. I would have settled for five. <laughs> I get mad when we've missed these things. You and I could have done this. Friend Finder. So um, anyway, Penthouse changed the name to Friend Finder Networks. And of course, then Penthouse messed it up. 2013, they filed for Chapter 11. He ended up taking the company back over. They don't say, um, they lo- Penthouse ended up losing money on the deal. They don't say what he was able to buy it for. And it doesn't say much of what it's worth now. And I tried to look up his net worth, and I, I really can't can't really get a get a clear view of it but essentially he's um he's still doing some other work he's got a he's got a foundation called cityroof.org which helps homeless people um make connections and and try to uh and and try to find either work or places to live and so forth in 2010 he tried to buy playboy enterprises from hugh hefner for 210 million but uh, he refused to sell 
And then in 2016, FriendFinder had a huge data breach where 412 million of their accounts were were leaked. All their emails, passwords, and uh, wow. credit card accounts were uh, were breached and passwords and so forth. So they've had some troubles. Put onto the dark web your your FriendFinder profile, including some Happy of the Happy birthday, Andrew Conway. It's a good business birthday, and thank you for slapping me on the wrist to reminding me that I need to invent something. I'll get to it. Today, I'll invent something Please. today. <laughs> so, hey, friends, we want to thank you for joining us today. Uh, subscribe, like, and rate us, of course. Focusgroupradio.com is the URL for our website, and you'll find all our media there, including our Tuesday podcast, Unbuttoned. So uh, have a safe week, mask up, and we'll see you in the new one. It's The Focus Group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Accessible on all platforms. Subscribe, like, and rate us on your platform of choice. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. That was a stunning focus group. <laughs> <laughs>